Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. <laughs> All right, it's a beautiful day out at Carrollwood Country Club here. Uh, welcome to a Monday edition of the JP Peterson Show. Uh, this handsome devil right here to my right is Sweet Lou Maggio, who's on the board of directors of the Sports Club of Tampa Bay. That's why we're here today to raise money for all their great charities, the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, Nick Geddes joins us from our studio or his studio. Uh, good morning to you, Nick. How are you? I am Nick is doing. Dry. I am. Uh, that cold, all right, Nick. I hope you're warm, Nick. It's a little crazy <laughs> here, but it's a little cold but, coming but through the it's window. It's getting dry here. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's it's in it's, it's in the high fifties. High fifties, and yeah. thank God the rain stopped last night. <laughs> thank Amen. The Lord. Yes. Now I got a limp on a cart path only today, but I'll be okay. It's oh, okay. Huh? All right, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll figure it but out. But then again, JP hit some straight, so he won't be losing anything. No, we're right JP. down the middle. No, right down no. the middle. I got uh, that. I'll actually, if you want me to, I'll hit him next to the cart path. I'm that accurate with my driver. Yeah. So we don't have to walk I, too far. I, I won't even go there, JP. Ah! <laughs> yeah, this is uh, exciting, man. It is our second annual. It's the Leonard and George Levy uh, golf tournament. You know, people don't realize as far as sports club is 60 years old, and Leonard and George Levy are actually the George Washington of Tampa sports. That's right. These are the guys that brought the Buccaneers in here. They were two of the most well-respected people in the city. They both passed on, but we do this in their honor. Yeah. And because uh, they're, I mean – it's Great funny. Men. It's funny. Like I said, everybody goes, well, you, you mentioned George and Leonard Levy. And they go, we're in. <laughs> exactly. I mean, because, you know. Now, you're an old broadcaster myself. So okay. let me let me set up the show here for the people. And then okay. we're going to get to this Tampa Sports Club. Mm. We're going to get to. Were you at the USF game yesterday? I was. No, it was there last midweek. I saw. Yeah. I, I couldn't get in last week. No, yesterday tried, was a I, tight I was, I was there against Tulsa. So we're going to get to that a little bit. We're gonna, we got some great sound from the players and Coach uh, – Amir, so we'll do that. Uh, we got Bucks news to talk about. With uh, this is a day where the Bucks can save some cap space by doing some deals. I doubt they're going to be done, but we'll hit that as well. Stu Sternberg blaming you, the fans, once again for him losing money—the most uh, ridiculous thing ever. We'll get into that. Mm. Um, and of course, the bolts on Saturday night was kind of ugly, so we'll have to talk about that. So before mm. we get to all that great stuff, Go Bulls. I, I want uh, Lou's going to. Announced something very special. This is breaking news. And I'd have to say, now, I've emceed yeah, sure uh, probably half a dozen of these sports club banquets. and they have Hall been, of Fame banquet, right? Hall of Fame banquets. They are um, they're exceptional. They're emotional. The guests, the speeches yeah. are fantastic. But you got one lined up June yeah. 6th at Higgins Hall. June 5th. June Wednesday. 5th, that yeah. I think is going to be the best of the bunch. Yeah, you go June 6th, you'll miss it. Right. Um, <laughs> It'll still be going on June 6th, I believe, but, from the speeches. Yeah, I uh, But it starts on June 5th. And here's an exclusive because uh, because JP just slipped me 100 bucks Anyway, so I'll give this one to you guys. Um, You're so cheap. We're in, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll get you later. <laughs> That's what they all said about you, too. I won't even, then I can't even start. Anyway, okay. So we're in, you know, uh, Sports Club, 60 years old, Hall of Fame, some great people inducted, Steinbrenner, uh, McEwen, some great, a lot of bucks. Uh, we're inducting this year Bobby Diaz, yes, who is a state champion softball coach at Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Uh, USF great, Charlie Bradley. Yes, Charlie Bradley was okay. on the uh, hype video yeah. to start the game yesterday. Yeah, yes. he was. And then, we, of course, we have uh, Bruce Arians, former Bucks coach. 
Super Bowl champion, Bruce Arians, going to go in. That's going to bring a lot of uh, wearing great that, folks out. Being that red, him. wearing yeah. a little red cap, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, Titus O'Neill. Titus O'Neill. So he'll be here today. Great. So we'll sit yeah. down with, with Titus and yeah. talk some. You know, you can't get Titus mad because like keeps breaking these clubs. He keeps like snapping them, and then, and then he goes through a set every time he, he plays golf. I don't get it. And, and, I'll get it. And no one tells him no. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, uh, they were inducting Aaron Andrews. Aaron Andrews, my my former intern at uh, News Channel Eight, Bloomingdale High School, right yes. there, in Brandon. And She's then, done pretty well for us. And then, God, what's the guy? What's his name? Um, God, he's. He used to coach you, Florida. Yeah, something like, oh, uh, uh, like this. Can you say uh, like uh, Steve Spurrier? Steve Spurrier. An exclusive right here from you, Jay. That is, that is the breaking news. Steve Spurrier we'll, will be going into the Tampa uh, Sports Club yeah. Hall of Fame. Now, we're going we're gonna to have him speak last because I'm going to let him speak as long <laughs> as he wants because people will be there. We're, like we're, I said, it'll go into June 6th. We're going to start selling tickets next week on those. Uh, uh, sportsclubatampabay.org and uh, get them fast because they're going to sell out. Yeah, we have actually we had to move it to Higgins Hall because of Spurrier being there because people are going crazy. Yeah, you know, so we just I didn't leak it out to the to the news so you guys, but I told a couple of people and already got like eight tables sold. They want them. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, he's I mean he's such an icon, and I mean the whole list is just oh yeah he unbelievable. was unbelievable. It's funny we people oh he's so hard to get a hold of him. <laughs> Called Tommy Shannon, got him on the phone. He goes, oh, George and Leonard Levy, yeah, I love it. I'm coming. Yeah. So he's coming. That's fantastic. He's and, coming, man. Uh, he's been on. He's been on our show uh, many, many times. Yeah. Uh, sharp as attacks. So yeah. We normally fantastic. keep we keep it at a limit. Now, now when JP commentates these things, I give him notes on what to say like four minutes before <laughs> show starts. But he does a pretty good job. Uh, but this time, JP, and we and we like to yank people after four or five minutes. You let him tell his biscuit recipe. Oh, Anything yeah. he wants to yeah, tell, yeah. you let Spurrier do. We well, want you know, Titus has been known to to hold the crowd as Titus. well. He can speak. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he is one of the most incredible public speakers you'll ever get. Again, no one's going to tell Titus no. to get off the stage. Aaron, six foot five Aaron knows a little bit about public speaking, so I'm sure. She, and, and she's funny. And she's be honest hilarious. with you, they both like they, when we both told him that when they're inducted, they go great, great, great. I go, we know Spurrier is going to be there. I go, we're there. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's pretty crazy. Well, Titus played for Spurs. Titus, did he play for Spurs? I yeah. didn't play Gators. He was at Gators. I don't know who he played for. He was there. I think he did. I'm I think trying to put the numbers And together. his son just signed a scholarship yeah. there. Yeah. His son's going to play there. Yeah. So One anyway, of his sons. Yeah. And of course, Bruce is uh, fantastic. If you've never heard Bruce speak, Bruce Aaron, yeah. he, he is hilarious. Now you got Gary Coker there, right? Yeah, Gary's going to stop by. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask him about Tiger and uh, give him some tips. For yeah. The day. <laughs> Jordan Spieth, Jordan <laughs> Spieth uh, signing a wrong scorecard or putting yeah. out a wrong, getting, getting uh, DQ'd in this day and age. They have to write down their scores on the I mean, PGA Tour. Is that, how lucky are isn't you? Isn't there somebody else keeping score? How lucky score? are you here to be with me? Uh, always, Lou. Hey, he's got a good looking. Guy I don't know. I mean, back in the old days when you were surrounded by Playboy playmates, it might have been a little bit better. Not that and, this and list they, is not and, fantastic. And now but, you're engaged to one. So anyway, yeah, exactly. Matter. So this yeah, is pretty exactly. good. I wouldn't I'd get in trouble anyway. Yeah, she would. He's yeah, she keeps him straight. I like that. All he right. So tell it. me about today. What do we got going on today? What are we raising money for today? Raising money, like I said, raising money for the boys' club, of yeah, course. Boys and girls' club. And then actually, we're we're going to start. There's a few other charities we start working on also, and uh, this is like we did it last year. And we surpassed the numbers from last year. And uh, it's very exciting. We have over 150 golfers. Nice. You know, uh, it gets bigger and bigger every year. And it's like, just a sports club. We should have sporting events. Yeah. And so, you know, we get involved and then we go to the Rays games. We go to the Lightning. And sports club is a great thing to join. It's yeah, like, tell us a little bit more about It's $100 a year. Yeah, it's great. You know, and, and, and um, 
And by the way, when are you joining? Uh, as soon as I can. Yeah, and now that I'm, I'm no longer a member of the esteemed media at News Channel 8 and uh, 620 WDAA, I can, and, I can and, join these clubs. And I'm not going to loan you the $100 if you just slip me to, yeah. to join. Anyway, it's $100, it's $100 a year. And, and um, you know, it's, it's very cool because we do different events. We have fishing things we do. Plus, every month we'll have a speaker. Uh, we'll have uh, we have Sam McDowell. We've had uh, we got uh, Brian Cashin coming this yeah. month, and so we'll have like a little uh, like a dinner. Palmacy is our location. Palmacy Country Club is our home base, and we'll have like a meal, and then we'll have a speaker come in. They've got Derek Derek Brooks has come, Bronte Barber's yeah, come. Yeah, they've uh, all come in and spoke. Uh, it, it's, a real, Cooper, it's a it's a really uh, interesting broadcasters. Yeah, it's an it's interesting evening keeping people updated on sports. Actually, we're gonna. We want to get you in a panel together. Come in one day. Yeah, we'd love to do it. It's always fun. Questions. And it's it's just a lot of the movers and shakers in the in the sports arena in Tampa Bay. Um, it's a great way to stay connected to everybody. If you're a sports fan, like you said, a hundred bucks uh, gets you in, and um, it's it's just a it's a fun it's a really really fun group too. Um, you you've brought a lot of life to it. I appreciate what you have done. Thank you. Cigar smokers, you know, yeah, you know great networking events. If you have a local business, it's always great to network as well. Awesome. It's and a no-brainer. Like, great speakers. Actually, we had the USF basketball coach a few months ago. Oh, God, what a great you're speaker. After, he's and so I, good. I mean, being a USF graduate, I'm so happy. And I love the football coach. I'm finally believing again. Yeah, Alex, uh, Coach Gullish was there yesterday speak, as well. But and But the basketball coach, he gave a great speak. And anyone that can quote, tombstone word for word <laughs> my kind and of proverbs guy. he did proverbs, proverbs yesterday and yes and i'm gonna tell you one thing he's, he's definitely he's kicking some ass ain't he yeah yeah that was a fun day yesterday so in fact we're gonna get into it right now uh, cool, that's man. a good segue. Thank you very much for stopping by. You like that? You're a professional segue <laughs> right into the USF, the lead topic of the show. Just, just get that check. You are M A G G I O. If you don't mind, if you can get that. But you just took cash. Cash is good too. Yeah, no Bitcoin, please. No, right, no Bitcoin. Keep, no Bitcoin this year, okay? We got to take some we're Bitcoin. Kind, we're kind of giving up on that. I think we're your. There's your TV show Rob right Mason, there. So Rob Mason, right there. say hello to Rob. Yeah. Well, you got a big budget this year. You got you got a, a, a videographer here as well. Yeah. Wow. No, like I, said, <laughs> I mean, after after you pay me, I didn't think there was anything left. We're paying you. <laughs> I'm giving you golf and free meal. <laughs> you got the PDQ box. You got oh, I was sponsored. Oh, the by best PDQ. bargain in town. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that right. you are. That's yes, you. Thank you, Lou. Take care, man. Good to see you, my man. Take care, buddy. Um, all right. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to join, what's the website again, partner? Sportscluboftampabay.org. Sportscluboftampabay.org is the is the website. Um, if you want to join, yeah, hundred bucks, it's a no brainer. Um, Nick, everything look and sound good? Yeah, we are we are all good. It looks like the uh, the glare is a little bit better on your end. I know yeah. you said you can't even see your computer. I can't out see there. anything, which is good, <laughs> and I don't have to look at myself, which is which is great. Um, all right, so let's get into a little bit of USF. Um, what a game yesterday. And, and first of all, Nick, what an atmosphere. Uh, I had not been to the Sun Dome probably since uh, it's been a while, probably uh, five or six years, especially since they did the renovation Sun Dome. I said Yingling Center now. And it was packed to the rafters, 10,000, six and change, record crowd, uh, biggest, biggest, like the last time they, they sold out was 2001. So the, the atmosphere was electric. Uh, 24th ranked FAU in town. 14 guys back from their final four team, Dusty May, the coach, uh, ESPN, noon tip-off, although we really didn't have a tip-off. What the hell that was? I have no idea. If you, if you haven't seen the opening tip of this that. game. Is that not the most bizarre thing you've ever seen? 
uh, that ref had the yips or something. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I yeah, it's don't like he, no he had the yips and then he like the ball, the guy tapped it and he just looked and the guy looked, everybody looked at him and he said, go ahead, play. I mean, you know, does it really matter much anymore? It's alternate possession, right? So whatever. Um, but it was, a, it was a bizarre start to the game. And then the thunder dunk uh, from Mitchell from FAU. And it's just like the place is going, you know, it's like, what the hell? Not a great start. And then, you know, five, six minutes in later, they're four for four from three point range. Um, and uh, it, it was just bedlam. I mean, absolutely bedlam. Uh, Chris Youngblood, who joined us on Friday, gave him a little nice karma, a little J.P. Peterson show karma. 23 points, uh, three for three for three point range. Hit some huge buckets, huge free throws. Uh, hit the icing free throw at the end. Um, but a game where they went up 25 points and they were playing just phenomenal basketball. And I'm going I'm to just say this, you know, I've seen a lot of tournament teams in my day, you know, called uh, the FSU games in the early nineties when they had a team go to the elite eight covered the NCAA tournament for years and years and years. And there's no question in my mind, this is an NCAA tournament team, this USF team, no question in my mind. And it's not just because they beat a, uh, an FAU team, a really good FAU team. And we're up 25 points. And I know it, it got down to one. But if you can get up 25 points on a team this good, you've got some players. You've got some players. Um, and if, if there's, if I'm nitpicking, you know, they, they lack a little bit of size. And, and uh, the big man in the middle for FAU, the big Russian, was, uh, was dominant, had 23 points. He kind of got what he needed inside. But um, they, they shoot from the perimeter. Uh, Selton Miguel was, what, five for seven from three, 25 points, career high from him, hit some huge shots. And also, he's a guy, when uh, when you need a bucket late in the game, they just isolate him, and he goes one-on-one. -on -one. He's six seven, probably 240 pounds. He freaking looks like LeBron, and he, he's just huge. And he can he can get his shot in the middle and power to the hole. Uh, he can pull up from mid-range. He can hit a three. Uh, he was he was fantastic yesterday, and Youngblood – Pretty much the same thing. Another six, seven kid, very composed, uh, under pressure. In fact, he he stepped to the line. If you can imagine, and we'll hear from him in just a little bit. Um, if you can imagine, you have a twenty-five point lead in this atmosphere, and it gets whittled down to one, literally one. Now it's three, uh, and you've got it's about five seconds left. So you got to hit one free throw to ice this game, and he misses the first. This <laughs> is the first. His reaction was to laugh like he just started laughing at himself and uh and then just stepped up and, and hit nothing but net on the second one giving him a four point uh cushion and obviously the uh, to ice the game so um yeah they've got they've got great perimeter play they can defend the hell out of anybody they play a really really tough half court defense they've got uh good perimeter scoring their their inside game is is okay. It's not great. I think that's where they can be exposed a little bit. But you know, this the NCAA game now is very much a perimeter game anyway. There are very few legitimate big men. They faced one yesterday, and they beat them. So I mean, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. And then you go to the coaching staff. Um, you know, Amir Abdul Rahim is just uh, he's a special cat. You know, to listen to him talk after the game, and he took questions for probably 20 25 minutes. He was all over ESPN yesterday. Um, and promoting the program, and, and like he says, this this the same same old USF, um, the same old South Florida. It's different, and it's it was different yesterday. What, what were your uh, your thoughts, Nick, watching on TV? Yeah, I, I go back to a word called care, and I don't yeah. think for a while 
and and for good reason, by the way. I don't think a lot of USF fans have really cared about their basketball program. No. And when you have one tournament appearance in the last however many years it is, exactly, it's obviously hard to care. But the way, and we talked a lot about this last year, how Michael Kelly really was up against it from a pressure standpoint that you had to absolutely nail these hires, a football hire and a basketball hire. And we already know that the football hire is going tremendously well with Alex Golish and what he's done there. But not to be outdone, what Abdur Amir Abrahim has done at USF in year one. I mean, this team went 14 and 18 last year. Yeah. 14 and 18. And now they're riding in an 11 game win streak right now. They're, what, 12 and 1 in the American. Yep. And 19 and 5 overall. You mentioned it. This looks and feels like an NCAA tournament team. And I know there's all these different things in college basketball that don't make much sense to a lot of people, whether it's the whole quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four, all that kind of stuff. And I know USF has only played, I think, like two quad one teams. But to me, that should not matter. And, and listen, it's all in their hands. If they just continue to, on this trajectory, they got five regular season games left. Right. None of them are particularly tough games. And then you win the conference, obviously they're going to get in. But I think even then, they deserve a shot. And even in the sense of being a ranked team, I mean, they only got seven votes last week, I think, in the poll. I think that should absolutely change because FAU was ranked, I think, based on what they did last year, right? Right. And now USF goes in. I mean, listen, for the first three or the first, uh, like, uh, like what, 35 minutes or so of that game, they were running them off the court. Yeah, they were running 25. them out of that yeah. building. And the vibe, I mean, 10,000 people inside the Sun Dome. I saw the line ahead of the game yeah like wrapped around like all the buildings and, yeah and coach came out and like the rain down the entire line like there was so much excitement and joy in that building and i've never got to see what a home court advantage if there's even one that exists inside that building but it was there yesterday game was on espn by the way not on espn plus not yeah. on espn 2 espn u none of that it was on espn at noon on a sunday it was right there for everybody to see and USF answered the challenge. They shot so well from three. That's another thing. If you're going to be in the tournament as one of these teams, you've got to shoot really good really good from distance. And yesterday they shot, I think, 48% from there. You mentioned Chris Youngblood, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Wow. He was clutch in that game. And Miguel, you know, I learned this yesterday on the broadcast. They mentioned it. He was like the only returning guy yeah. uh, from the team last year or something like that, and he had to go to the bench this year. Yeah. And he responded well by having a career year, averaging almost 15 a game for them. And he yeah. was fantastic down the stretch yesterday. So yeah, he's, this, was a, this was a banner day for USF men's basketball, maybe the best we've seen in, in a long, long time. Well, I, I think you can honestly say where this program has been. I mean, they got to the, to the tournament in uh, 2011 with Stan Heath. Um, and those were some big wins, obviously. I mean, you got to get to the tournament, I guess, to equal those wins. This just, I don't know, this just feels bigger because of the fact that this program has struggled for so long. And the fact that, you know, all those things that you mentioned, I mean, they're, 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 they have a one game lead now. What, honestly, a, a game and a half because most of the teams at the top they've beaten. Um, so they've got, they've got a game and a half cushion with five left, which, you know, three of those should be gimmies. Uh, they got to play at Charlotte. Yep. Um, there's one other tough one on there too, um, but for the most part, they got a great shot at winning, and this will be their first ever regular season championship in any conference in basketball. I mean, that's that that's that's incredible, especially given where this. I mean, they, how many players did they have returned this year? Like none. I mean, I guess that's good when you're 14 and 18, but 
I mean, it was a complete rebuild, obviously. And uh, Amir coming from Kennesaw State uh, brought Chris Youngblood with him, brought uh, Pryor with him, I believe, a couple other guys from Kennesaw State that went to the tournament last year. Yep. Um, but it's just the way he coaches. Uh, and we heard, you know, Chris talk about this on Friday's show, you know, uh, being intentional about your relationships. And, you know, this is a coach that really feels like that is the key to basketball is everybody liking each other, you know, really playing for each other, their true family atmosphere. And they've done a lot of different exercises through the offseason and, and during the season, you know, to get guys to, 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 you know, meet each other on a personal level and really, really like each other and become a close knit group. And right. you could see that on the floor. Uh, Dusty May, the uh, head coach at FAU, even talked about that because uh, both these guys coached together at Murray State under uh, Billy Kennedy many years ago. So they're good friends and they both coach in a very similar style. And it's interesting how they both had incredible success at the mid-major level. And it has a lot to do with the culture that they create. And I know a lot of people don't like, you know, hearing that word, but it's, it is to me, it's the most important thing in building a program, uh, building a franchise, building a team. It's the culture that you create. And he has created an incredible culture at USF. And these guys really do play for each other. They play hard. Man, they play really, really hard. They play incredibly intense on the defensive end. And you can see the togetherness. Even after the game, the celebration, Amir went up into the uh, uh, the Thundering Herd band and all the students, the SoFlow uh, rodeo, and um, you know gave those guys a lot of credit for, for creating a, a real home court advantage. In fact, let's go ahead and, and go to some of the sound we got from yesterday. Uh, go ahead and play clip number one, Nick, of um, Coach breaking down the, the win and what it means for his team. This is a program defining, program changing, program solidifying win. Okay, because anytime you beat a team that went to the Final Four last year that has 14 of those 15 guys back, that tells you a lot about your culture. Right? So I'm going to remember it because I was able to do it with a group of guys that they didn't have to trust me when I got here, but they chose to. And I appreciate them for that. I think a um, you know a very fitting uh, tribute to the to uh, the the fans and, and how important this was to this program. It's you know when you when you have a win like this on national television, obviously in the atmosphere that it is, other players are watching. You know, it's a it's a Sunday. You know, a lot of players are home watching this game, see what's up, and they see the atmosphere. You know, the transfer portal is real, folks, and this is what starts people thinking about USF. And right. uh, the palm trees and, and all that stuff. And and I was going to say, the timing of, of what they're doing right now, I think is very important here. Because we've talked a lot about how is USF going to grow its homegrown fan base. Like, we know they're out there. We know they exist. And we know that the marketplace is very, very crowded in the Tampa Bay area when you think of having three professional sports teams. And then you have all these allegiances to a lot of the other schools in the Florida, in, in the state of Florida. Right. What they're doing right now, the Bucks are no longer playing anymore right now. The Rays right. haven't gotten going yet. It's really the Lightning, and it's USF men's basketball who are doing this. And I think that's, that, I think that's why the timing of this is very good, is I think you're going to create new fans of this. I think you're going to get the, the fan base that was already there is already jacked up, and they found something they could be excited about. I mean, 10,000 people for a noon game on a Sunday yeah. inside the Sun Dome. I mean, we can't overstate how big of a deal that was. Yeah. And I mean, it, it got me, you went out there to cover the game. 
I saw TJ TJ Reeves was out there yep. covering the game. With TJ yesterday. Mean, yep. I mean, yeah, all the Tampa Bay media, we've talked about it a lot. You know, we need to put more spotlight on USF. And sometimes, you know, it takes being really good at something and creating a buzz to get more media to come put, see you and get more eyeballs on it. Yep. And they've done that. So I think the timing of this is really important. And you're going to see it. I mean, almost the fan base kind of galvanize and support this team in a way that we've never seen before. Uh, that's a great point. And speaking of the crowd, let's play uh, cut number two. Uh, here's uh, Coach talking about the home court advantage that they got yesterday. You know, to be able to come out here, to be able to coach this group of guys in that environment with that support um, is special. It's, it's really special. I don't take it for granted um, one bit. I, I, I tried to soak up every moment of it. It was hard because I'm trying to coach too. But – as I say all the time, these guys are a byproduct of each other. I'm just a good coach because I got good players that trust me and believe in what we're doing. And that crowd today was incredible. And that SoFlo Rodeo, they had it jumping in there. That Herd of Thunder Band, amazing as always. But if I'm not mistaken, boy, that thing was sold out up to the third level. This ain't the same old South Florida, my brother. It's not. Open it up. All right, I think I got that wrong. It's the Herd of Thunder Band. I think I called them the Thundering Herd. <laughs> I'm trying to get all my uh, all my my USF new new uh, uh, monikers correct here, and uh, that was that was a great atmosphere uh, in, all throughout the building. Um, here's here's another. Let's play cut number three from Abdur, and this is this is Abdur Rahim. This is a uh, you know, and, and something I've noticed about him in these games, when they're up 20, like up 25, or even down 20, the dude is ridiculously calm. Ridiculously calm. <laughs> like, it's the, hey, no big deal. I mean, here it is. Everything's on the line. I mean, you've cut it. You've had a 25-point lead, and they've cut it to one. And you're about to blow the biggest opportunity <laughs> in your coaching career. And he's out, out. He's got the guys, and he's just smiling. Not even a, – and, and he told a little story – about why you know this this type of uh, pressure doesn't bother him at all. Check this out. Um, and we were always we, we I wouldn't for one second say we were poor, right? But like I can remember my dad going to work at night. I can remember my mom. You know, we might be down the guys about twenty bucks, and she go to she go to it wasn't Publix I guess Kroger back then, and man she figure out a way to get us a meal. That's tension. That ain't tension. That's a, that's a game, right? And again, I told you I'm in the business of developing men. And so they're looking at how coaches gonna react. So I'm all I'm thinking is stay calm, stay collected, stay focused, because they're gonna respond how I respond. And that that's the way you stay cool. Isn't that interesting? You know, he's one of 13 siblings. So, yeah, knowing, not knowing when your next meal is coming from, uh, that's pressure. That's tension. Uh, you know, playing in uh, an arena like this, it's just fun. You know, where, where you tell your, your players pressure is a privilege, right? This is fun. Um, you know, you're not going to do this on a on a Sunday afternoon or, or Saturday night, you know, playing at, at the rec center. This is fun. So treat it that way. And that's the way they did. The, and, and that was, I, I tell you, in a spot like this, what you typically see with a team that hasn't really been in, in situations like this, although these players have, by the way, a lot of them from their former places, 
um, you know, it, I was amazed at their composure. Even um, uh, Reed, the point guard, the freshman, little kid. I mean, he was he he was cool as a cucumber. I mean, they were they were pressing him hard. And those are two NBA guards that FS, FAU has, uh, and they were pressing him hard. He did right. not flinch one bit. Uh, none of them did. None of them did. Well, the, the the most I think the biggest compliment I could give to this team, honestly, is the way they play under pressure, like you mentioned. And if you look at their schedule this year, they have played in a lot of close basketball yes, games. Okay. They have been in these pressurized situations. They know what it's like. So even when they got up 25 in that game yesterday, and listen, FAU's a good team for a reason. They were in the Final Four last year for a reason, and Dusty May's an outstanding head coach. You knew they were going to come all the way back, but for USF to be able to bear down a little bit and close that out the right way, even when it got down to one point, again, that's a tournament team in my opinion. Yes, they are. It was a fantastic win uh, for USF. And uh, sitting down with me now is the great – Gary Koch, the Payne Stewart Award winner from last year. How, how's that sound every time you hear it now? Uh, JP, it's still <laughs> a little hard to comprehend. Yeah. Um, it was such a surprise, uh, you know, especially the way I found out yeah. when Tracy Stewart video walking awesome. on my front yeah. door uh, <laughs> with the Payne Stewart Award in hand. Um, you know, it's a great memory. Uh, it's something I will cherish for the rest of my life. A uh, wonderful way to wrap up a career especially receiving an award basically given to you by your peers. Yeah, it's it's awesome and well-deserved, my friend. Uh, and everyone in the golf world, I think, has applauded that choice of you. And, and, and getting the award is great. It's the most prestigious award in golf, as we know. But having your your colleagues, your friends, some of the greatest players in the game who have received this award comment on it and how well-deserved, that's got to be even more special, right? It is, sure. Um, you know, Peter Jacobson, who – is a former winner of the yep. Payne Stewart Award as well, um, and a former colleague of mine at NBC. Uh, we were talking about it a little bit. He goes, you know, you play your way into the Hall of Fame. Right. He says, but the Payne Stewart Award comes from your peers. Yeah. And, what, and the appreciation that they are showing for what you have done, not just for playing golf, but the things you've done outside of play. And, uh, you know, to me, that's very special. Um, I've been fortunate in my life to, to – receive a lot of help from a lot of different people and it's nice to feel like you can as life moves on help other people in the same way so and and now you're not doing golf tv anymore so you have great you have lots of time to come out and do great things like this with the uh sports club of tampa bay and you're you've kind of become the uh the chairman of this golf tournament whether you like it or not and uh lou does all the work that's right that's right that's the way you like it right (laughs) that's much better than the other way around no question absolutely so what's this day like with you know coming here in your in your hometown and enjoying it with all uh, a lot of the uh the 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 hall of famers are here today titus o'neill a whole bunch of them are here yeah it's it's exciting obviously um, you know, having been affiliated with the Sports Club of Tampa Bay for a long time. Yeah. I think I was inducted into the Hall of Fame about 30-plus years ago. So, um, you know, the, the Tampa sports community is a great it's a great fraternity. It's a great group. And, uh, you know, to be a part of that and still be a part of it is, is a, a great honor. Um, you know, I knew George and Leonard Levy very well. Yeah. Uh, I always appreciated their support of sports in the Tampa Bay area and especially youth sports. And to think that we're able to hold a day, get people together, enjoy, you know, what Leonard and George kind of helped create years ago and still uh, be able to benefit some youth by providing college scholarships. Yeah. Doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. 
let's talk a little golf. Interesting weekend in L.A., uh, to say the least. Um, we'll start with Jordan Spieth, and I'm still not sure I understand how this works in this day. I think there's a lot of people keeping score, but the players are still keeping score and writing those scores down. And if you don't do it correctly, you can obviously be DQ'd. Explain what happened in, in – well, do we need you know, to change this? Well, I don't, we I don't know. I, you know, I'm a little old school. Yeah, uh, JP. And right. that, you know, part of the responsibility of the player uh, is to be able to a, you know, you and I are playing together in a right. tournament. First tee, I get your card, you get mine. My responsibility is to write down your scores. And it's also there's a place on that scorecard for me to write down my own scores. So when you get done and granted, I understand, you know, double bogey on the last hole, needing to go to the restroom, you know, all these things I've read about. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is where was his caddy? I'm going to tell you, every single round of golf I played on the PGA Tour, when I got to the scores, Tim, my caddy stood behind me. Right. I checked the scores. I had a method that I went through every single time. I checked the scores. I then had him read me my scores. Right. Double check. Double check. Yeah. So, look, I have the utmost respect for Michael Greller. Yeah. Jordan Spieth's caddy. Yep. know him well. Great human being. I wonder where he was. To let Jordan sign an incorrect scorecard, to me, part of the responsibility is on Michael Greller, his caddy. Yeah. Now, should this whole thing be changed? You know, yes and no. I mean – Again, I think it's part of the game of golf. I think it's part of the responsibility of the player. The other thing you have to remember, these walking scores are volunteers. Right. They make mistakes. I've had many a walking yeah. score when we got to the scores tent, call out my scores, and there was a wrong score. Really? Well, sometimes they don't pick up on a, a penalty stroke is right, bad right, right. or so forth and so on. If a drop's a free drop or if it's a penalty drop. You know, these are volunteers. They're trained, but they're not experts. Right. So, therefore, to try to rely on the walking score solely, I think, could be a mistake. Well, in the end, um, he gets DQ'd. And in the, and at a time when – and we'll transition here into the, what's going on with the PGA Tour. We don't need big-name players getting DQ'd. Some of these Sunday leaderboards, Gary, this year, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it going – uh, is this the Corn Ferry Tour? What are we doing here? Because so many big names have moved on to live. I'm, I'm a little concerned. Well, I'm, I'm not so concerned with who's moved on to live because yes, there are some names. Bryson DeChambeau is a big one. John Rahm, a big name. Phil Mickelson was on the downside of his career, as were a bunch of the other guys who've gone to live. Good point. What I'm concerned about more is the creation of what looks to me to be a two-tier system on the PGA Tour. I agree. So when you have these signature events, yep. of which you now have eight this year, you have the four majors. So now you're talking, there's 12 events that your big names are going to play. Yeah. They'll add in some others, no question, but you don't know where those will necessarily be. I think there's a real chance that you're going to create a system where big names, for the most part, play certain events the other events are going to be left with the guys who aren't considered to be big names now i will say 
an event like the Valspar Championship yep. up here in March. Yep. Because of being at such a great venue, the Copperhead course, that so many players like. And now where it's positioned in a schedule where the match play event, the WGC match play event, is not the week following. That event went away. They've got commitments from Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Jordan Speed. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're going to have a really good field. They'll have some of the big name players. And that will happen occasionally in some of these events. But it's a big concern to me that we're creating a two-tier system. Will, will Valspar get a chance? Will there be a rotation for Valspar in terms well, of become I think, signature events? I think a lot of that is going to depend on the willingness of the sponsors to pony up the extra money. And you know, the question then becomes, is it worth it? Whatever the commitment that Valspar has now, for that to be, if they had the opportunity to become a signature event, they would then be on the, you know, the they would be responsible for the the increase in the purse and so forth and so on. And I think that's about of, 10 million. Yeah, I think a lot of sponsors yeah. are looking. Yeah. Honda's gone. Yeah. Wells Fargo. Wow. Longtime sponsor there yeah. in, in Charlotte. This is the last year of their deal. They've already announced they're not going to renew. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a potential problem there. Um, you know, are you going to find enough sponsors every year to, you know, fund these signature events? events? So this new influx of money that we hear, hear about from, uh, I guess it's the Fenway Group, mm-hmm. um, essentially, that's probably the name you know best. Mm-hmm. How does that play in? Is this replacing what was going to be the Saudi money coming in? It'll be fascinating to see. And I really, to be honest with you, you know, I'm pretty much in the dark. I don't think about, anybody about knows. A lot of this, so. I don't think a lot of people know it. <laughs> really a whole lot yeah um i think it was a preemptive move right by the tour to not have to solely rely on the pfi you know the PIF fund yeah um my understanding is there's still negotiations going on between the tour and the PIF fund that some of the policy board people think it makes sense to still include them yeah um which you know not being on the inside and right. not knowing the ins and outs, yeah. it's hard to say. Um, I do think it puts the tour in a stronger bargaining position, obviously, that they don't True. have to go and get this money from the fifth fund yeah. when they have this other money coming in. Leverages everything. Yeah. Uh, now, the interesting thing to me is, you know, with this money coming in, is the creation of a new entity, a for-profit PGA Tour Enterprises. My understanding is the PGA Tour which is the tournaments, will stay a 501c6 not-for-profit. So you know, the, the charitable component, say again, like the Valspar, Valspar Championship, right. where it's Copperhead Charities, that actually runs the event. Right. You know, and they're the ones that distribute the funds to the charitable organizations within the Tampa Bay area. My understanding is the intent is for that to remain the same. Okay. So those charities will still get money. Yeah. Now they will, but of course maybe not as maybe not, not, as, not much. as much. Right. You know, which is a big deal yeah. to a lot of tournaments. Yeah. Um, you know, the tour is now requiring every every tournament to provide every player a courtesy card. The type of food being served in the player dining has changed. More portalettes on every Very course, you know. Very I mean, important. So there's there's a lot of things that it sounds like the tournament's going to be responsible for from an expense standpoint, which of course means that the bottom line is less and less money would be All right, I know you got to go warm up. So last question. It's by law we have to ask about Tiger. Tiger uh, got an illness this week. I was listening to. Uh, 
Sirius XM, a bunch of guys on there just debating whether Tiger will ever win again. And it's funny, nobody wants to say no. Nobody wants to say no. But it, it, well, nobody wants – they don't want to say it, but they all know it. He's not going to win again. It's. It, I hate to say it. If, yeah. I, if I'm a betting man, well, yeah, I, I could see where you know if you were a betting man, you would bet against him. But you know, a lot of people have bet against him before and they've lost. So a couple of things there. One, I was, I'm still impressed with the change he's had to make to his golf swing. You can see it. I mean, he's yeah. gotten much bigger in his upper body again. Yeah. His golf swing is very much an upper body swing because he can't use his lower body the way he used to when he was younger. But he's still creating a tremendous amount of speed yes, and is. distance. Yeah. I mean, there were a number of tee shots that he hit in that opening round that were 315, 320 yards off the tee. So that aspect of his game to me indicates that he can still compete. What I think will be the most interesting is how often can he play? He's hoping that, you know, he said, I'd like to play once a month. I think if he could do that somehow, he would knock enough rust off competitive rust. You know, there's a, that's the you, thing. You know, there's a that's big the difference. Yeah. Playing golf at home, and even yeah. though he's playing with his Ricky Fowler and, you know, some of these other guys down there in Jupiter, and they're playing probably big money games and all that, which is great. But when you stand on the first tee and they announce your name and you've got that pencil and scorecard in your hand and you have to write down those numbers and you have to hold every putt, it's a different game. Bobby Jones said it best. There's golf and there's tournament golf. And, you know, until he can play, to me, in a more consistent basis competitively, I think his chances of winning are almost enough. If he can compete somewhat regularly on a, in competition, then I would say the chances increase. Yeah. Well, Gary, as good a player as you are, you got no chance to win this tournament today because I know how bad these guys cheat. You had no, well, and you and you don't. Well, so you're a you got no shot whatsoever. You know, again, winning, uh, winning, <laughs> not that important. Raising money for scholarships for very, kids, very important. Very important. Gary, thanks so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Always great to see you. Always a pleasure, right. JP. The great Gary Koch right there. Yeah, he's got no shot. Uh, I already know who the winning team's going to be. I can see. I can just tell by the scorecards. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to take uh, – thanks, Nick. I appreciate uh, you holding down the fort back there at home. We'll get back to USF. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back on the other side and uh, finish up on USF. we got a lot of other stuff to get to. Stu Sternberg pissed me off again. Can't wait to talk about this. Uh, we got some Bucks talk and uh, all kinds of fun stuff and more guests coming your way here. We're live from Carrollwood Country Club here in uh, Tampa. This is the Sports Club of Tampa Bay Golf Tournament, annual golf tournament. We'll be back in three minutes. Stay with us. JP here for my friends at your local Synovus Bank. And I do mean friends, and I do mean local. One of the local managers in Tampa is John Acosta, big fan of the show, and I've known him for over 40 years. He's been in local banking since 1983. You talk about developing relationships. You don't stick around for that long unless you're doing things the right way and have a great reputation. And that's the focus company-wide at Synovus. Big enough to handle any complex international transaction, but small enough to answer the phone when you have an urgent question about your business or personal account. And for personal accounts, they have a very easy app that works great. You can do everything online. And for large or small businesses, 
You will get that personal touch and services to help build your business, taking your dreams and aspirations from the whiteboard to reality. We can make that happen. Let us show you how. For a get acquainted meeting to open a business or personal account, just call John or go to synovus.com to find out where your local branch is. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging, marketing, and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here on a Monday. We're coming to you live from the Carrollwood Country Club. It's the Sports Club of Tampa Bay's annual golf tournament. Uh, we already talked to Gary Koch, Lou Maggio. Uh, Titus O'Neill will be running around here somewhere. We'll try to grab him. Uh, who knows who, who might show up here. The celebrities running around everywhere here, so. And they uh, announced their Hall of Fame class, which is this is going to be a big one, Nick. You're going to have I have to get you a ticket to this one. Uh, Steve Spurrier will be going in this year, along with Titus O'Neill, uh, Bruce Arians from the Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion, and Bobby Diaz, softball coach at Chamberlain. Erin uh, Andrews, I mentioned her, and oh, Charlie Bradley, can you remind running? Charlie Bradley, USF all-time leading scorer. So um, that should be fun. All right, um, let's, uh, Brendan, by the way, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com. Uh, we had Scott Jeeves on, I think it was last week, and he predicted that Florida State would be able to uh, come to terms with the ACC, get an out-of-court settlement, and get out of this grant of rights. And the news broke on, I believe it was Friday night, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong, um, where that's basically uh, what, what the, the, the answers to the lawsuit. We'll get too far in the weeds here of the legalities, 
but most of the legal experts uh, concluded that with the answers to these lawsuits, that um, it looks like the ACC is going to uh, try to come to an agreement with Florida State uh, that's manageable to get out. It would probably be in this 60 to $100 million range exit fee, which ain't cheap, but when you're, you know, you're running a 30, $40 million deficit a year in your uh, grant of rights, uh, obviously, you know, even with my Florida State math, I can figure out you can make that up in uh, two, three years. So obviously this is a, a great development for Florida State. And it's going to, you know, obviously affect the way the realignment moves forward. And uh, I've, I've said many times, I think they're headed to the uh, Big Ten, uh, whatever we're going to call that moving forward, uh, and as opposed to the SEC. A lot of people, you know, have, have disagreed with me there, but I, I just don't think FSU wants to get back in bed with ESPN when they can go to Fox, uh, which is basically, which basically has the Big Ten contract. And uh, and I, I'm not sure the SEC wants Florida State. They don't they don't bring uh, to the SEC what Florida State would bring to the Big Ten in terms of television markets in Florida. Obviously, the SEC already has that with the Florida Gators. I don't think the Gators want any part of FSU being in the SEC. So to me, um, it seems seems like it's it's it'll be going to the Big Ten. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would probably say the Big Ten is where I'm leaning it. And I think they're going to get out of the ACC at some point. I don't know what the exact details and the specifics of it are going to be, but they will absolutely find their way out of it. Um, I don't think they're going to be alone. I think once Florida State figures out a way to get out of this deal, you're going to see, as we've been saying, Agreed. Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, any school in that conference that is serious about football and trying to win a championship in the future is going to follow, and they're going to let Florida State take the heat for it right now. They're going to let them be the ones to be the leaders on this, and eventually they will follow suit. I do agree with the Big Ten for the reasons you mentioned, and even from another point, and, you know, you can debate if this one really matters that much, but from a competitive standpoint, I still think the Big Ten, even with adding Oregon, UCLA, USC, Washington, I do think that conference is still, or at least going this past year, even though Michigan did win the national championships and they proved that they were legit. Yep. I do think that conference, though, is a bit overrated. In the long term, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. It is a bit overrated. I still think yeah. there's a lot of teams in there whether it's the Northwesterns, the Illinois, the Indianas, the you can go on and on and on, the Minnesotas, mm-hmm. that I don't think are ever going to really be competing, especially now with the conference being a little bit more top-heavy. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be competing as much, but I still think the SEC adding in Oklahoma and Texas and exactly. all the other schools they have, the SEC yeah. is still the premier conference uh, from that standpoint. So the Big Ten, I think, because you've got to look at the teams they added in, Oregon is absolutely going to compete year in and year out. UCLA, 100%. I mean, they just had their head coach dip and take an offensive coordinator vacancy. That's weird. Else. That's, That's not weird. great. That's I'm still, weird. I'm still, I'm not as big on the whole Lincoln Riley USC train. In my opinion, if you're winning seven games with that guy at quarterback, Caleb Williams, I think I have some concerns about them. And then Washington, we'll see how they look in the transition in the transition out of DeBoer. So I think the Big Ten could use a little bit more of a step up in some of these bigger brands that are really good at football, like Florida State, Clemson and so on. So I do think the Big Ten is the best fit. I agree. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Um, but I think for Florida State, and, and I had heard, you know, they want to be playing in the Big Ten by 2025. That might be a little bit ambitious. It should probably be, um, I think, probably 2026. But uh, we'll, we'll see We'll see where it goes. Um, guess what? Ken Hagen just walked by. He's coming back in 10 minutes. So. <laughs> Uh, would this be a good time to launch into my Stu Sternberg tirade? 
I knew you were going to get to it at some point. Oh, well, now's a good a time as any. Um, and, and Ken can bring us up to date on what he knows about what's happening in St. Petersburg. Uh, by the way, and an update here on that. Um, last week, we had heard that uh, the, the vote was supposed to take place in April, but the uh, commissions, the Pinellas County Commission and the St. Pete City Council still don't have the final financial documents. Imagine that. Um, so, and, and the plan is to have the documents um, debated in in council in, in, I believe in April is what the report in the Times said last week, and then a vote in May. And then, of course, Brian All putting pressure on uh, everybody that if it's not done, if it's not uh, uh, voted affirmatively in that first vote in May, that it's going to fundamentally change the deal in terms of the timing. Now, let's remember, folks, um, the trap is not going to explode at the end of 2027, at least by itself. Um, they can play another year in there. They can play another five years in there. Nobody wants that except Nick. Um, but they can, they can, you know, so there, yes, there is a deadline, but it is certainly by no means a hard deadline. It's not like, um, you know, that they're not going to have a place to play. They're going to be building the new stadium if they do build it in St. Petersburg right next door. So just like they did with the Falcons situation in the Georgia Dome and the new stadium that they built right next door, literally like yards away. Um, you know, they, if there are, if they're, if their time runs out, then, you know, they can, they can play another year. So let's, let's keep that in the back of our, our mind. So when, you know, Brian Ald is talking, talking about the the deal fundamentally changes to me, um, this is all about pressuring these government entities to do this deal when they see they're not going to see the finance, the final financial plan until weeks before they're supposed to, 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 uh, to, to, um, to vote on it. And then here comes Stu Sternberg. And if you have the quotes in front of you, I can't see it due to the glare here, my friend. Uh, if you have the quotes in front of you there, you can bring them up. But basically what Stu said was, uh, we want to hear from the fans. We want to hear from the fans and tell to get on there and tell your, your lawmakers in Pinellas and St. Pete, what you think about this deal. Yeah. And I agree with them. Yeah, I, I think this, you should tell them. This, this comes from it's to get it right. It comes from Brian Ald more specifically than Stu, at right. least in the article that, that Topkin wrote. Uh, and he said at a panel discussion, they encourage fans to write to council members and commissioners to let them know how important they consider the new stadium, which would be part of the redevelopment of the historic gas plant uh, district. And like you said, that that vote is now going to be a month behind. And, you know, I, I think most raised fans, at least I'm on here, we've always been saying like, you know, the old cliche and until you see the, the shovel in the ground. And I think right. Stu even said that uh, this weekend as well at, at the Fan Fest is that, you know, he's doing everything he can just to get a shovel in the ground. I, I'm, I'm curious to see because the deadline is, is, is already been set. And, there's, and I know they can, they can extend the lease and the trop and all that stuff if they really have to. Of course they can. I don't think Major League Baseball wants that whatsoever. No. I think Manfred is starting to be very clear that this needs to resolve itself. It's been going on for far too long. And I think everybody in this area recognizes that. If for some reason this deal does not get done and it gets voted down, I legitimately have no clue what the next option would be. I mean, I, I, at this juncture, I really have no idea. Like, Because they've exhausted a lot of resources into this. They've had press conferences uh, right outside the TROP announcing this. They did a whole press conference last year inside the TROP, yep. you know, basically telling you like, hey, this is going to happen. And then if for some reason it doesn't happen again, it's like, are we back to, are we back to, you know, at the beginning again? Like, 
what's the next option? What's the next stadium locations? Does the city of Tampa all of a sudden say, hey, we're going to put more into this? Like, I don't know. I know the financials here are, are kind of the issue for the city of Tampa. And, of course, the fact that Stu Sternberg wants more of the money up front, mm-hmm. which was the difference in this deal and the difference right. in the deal that the city of Tampa offered them. Right. I mean, the city of Tampa has to keep in mind that Raymond James Stadium is probably where their bread is buttered right now for a lot of other things. And we yep. think that renovations that are going to cost a lot of money are coming to that stadium before it's over with. That's true. So they've got to keep that in the back of their mind. And in general, the infrastructure in Tampa, there's a lot of things and there's a lot of money that they just don't have. Yeah. So it, to me, the ball then goes into Stu's court is how much are you willing to put up to get this done and to finally get this over the hump? And how much pressure is Rob Manfred willing to put on Stu Sternberg to tell him, hey, if you have the money, and I think we all believe that it's there somewhere, yeah. what are you going to do right now? Because we're at a crossroads. Is he going to sell the team then if this, if this deal doesn't get done? There's a lot of questions here and a lot more turns for this thing to take if you, if you can believe it, if this does not get approved. Well, my concern is, is first of all, that they're tringe to ramrod this deal through in Pinellas County. I mean, it's clear this is the tactic, right? Uh, get the financials to them late so they can't, there can't really be a, a big public debate about it you know, right around the, uh, the time that this, the season is starting up, right? Um, and then just and then put pressure on them to vote affirmatively or the deal's going to blow up. And that's no way to handle this. That's no way to do business. Uh, there needs to be a thoughtful a review of the financial plan so everybody, including the constituents of Pinellas County and the city of St. Petersburg, know what they're getting into. And I think they're trying to avoid that because I think this is a deal. And, and, and when any time one of the entities, the Rays in this in this uh, uh, deal, are trying to you know pressure you into doing a deal quickly once you finally get the numbers, that, that that's a red flag. That's a huge, huge red flag. Um, and there's already been, uh, contrary to what you hear other places, there have been a lot of reservations on the commission, on the county commission and the city of St. Petersburg, some of the councilmen, about how this whole thing has been presented to them. And they're uncomfortable with a lot of the, the financial dealings and the, the interest in $1.2 billion in, in public money, which is going to be exactly what it what, what, what the final number is going to be by, by some estimates when you throw the interest in. Um, we've talked about other projects that would be much more beneficial for the city. Uh, so I think that's a problem. That's a huge red flag. Um, and most of this, and it, to me, it's just, it's, uh, it's exactly what they did in Miami. You're going to do a bad deal, put it in a failed location, and you're going to have the same problems you've always had. There's no, there's no reason to believe different. There's not, oh, it's a new stadium. Yeah, well, that, that, that always wears off in two or three years. Um, I, I just think it's a bad deal for the taxpayers, and I think they're trying to ramrod it through because he wants the upfront money, and he's going to take the money and run. That's, yeah. my, that's my personal opinion, and all, all signs point that way. Yeah. So uh, there's an – okay, so, so that's just – that's the stadium deal, and I think it's, I think it's far from done. Um, and what Manfred said about it, um, he knows – he knows he still wants the deal in Tampa. There's there's still clubs or still people trying to buy this team. And the people that want to buy the team, I've been told, do not want to build in St. Petersburg. So I think there's there's still a lot to be done. But to me, you know, this is all about them trying to get that upfront money, the raise that is, put a stadium in a bad location, and then they're they're, they're going to cash out and leave town. So they don't care about the long term. Uh, in fact, I think, I think Stu's so bitter about this whole stadium thing that he would rather leave the city of St. Petersburg that he's always said is not a major league city. Brian Ald has said it a hundred times that major league baseball cannot survive an MLB. What changed their mind? 
a lot of upfront money from the city. That's right. what changed their mind. So, I mean, that ought to, that ought to, yeah. <laughs> that ought to raise and, a lot of red flags. Right. And the, and the second part of this is how staying in the location right that they're at right now and not having the new stadium of how it affects how they operate the baseball side of things. And of course, right. those are the things that I care about a lot. Right. And we did As get this I. little, we did get this little blurb in the Top Gun article. And again, this is from Stu uh, speaking on WDAE with uh, Jay Retcher and Zach Blobner. Uh, this year's payroll is going to surpass ninety million for the first time, and Stu described it as "quote unquote" uncomfortable having a payroll that surpasses ninety million for the first time. And he says, as a result, the team will be in the well negative territory on the profit and loss page. And then he added that revenues from the new stadium, such as naming rights, sponsorships, and suite sales, will have a positive impact on the field as far of payroll. Um, I mean, listen, when an owner comes out directly. At the Fan Fest, surrounded by the fan base, and goes on the flagship radio station and says that he's uncomfortable with spending ninety million on a baseball yeah. team, not yeah. two hundred million, yeah. not three hundred million, ninety million. That I'm makes sure you he was challenged by the hosts of the show. Um, that well, wait, Stu, your rev- your revenues are well over three hundred million dollars. You can't afford a ninety million dollar payroll. I, I, I just about- want. Was, this was is he, another thing. Like, if I'm Rob Manfred and I'm those in, in Major League Baseball and I hear one of our owners say that spending $90 million, yeah, which yeah. is typically the bare minimum when you look across the league. Like, there's only, like, three teams that are spending less than that or something like that. That makes you uncomfortable. Coming oh. from a man who's getting reportedly $85 million a year in local television revenue that he already got up front for most of the first year, according to the lawsuit, $500 million that he moved out of the Rays account into a separate account that he solely owns, a separate raise entity that he solely owns. That's money that was from that, uh, reportedly from that television deal that he got up front, $500 million. That's not to mention the money that he's made over the last 20 years when his revenues are over uh, high 200s, low 300s, Forbes saying that they're one of the most profitable teams in the league. This is a joke, and it's complete. it's a complete false narrative. It always has been. And he's going to keep saying it because he knows he's got friendly people in the media. They're going to keep repeating it. And 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 I will say this. The fan base is smarter than that. From what we see on Twitter, from what we see in social media, the fan base knows that that's 100% not true. Well, so, and here's, the, here's the thing. It's like if actually you're, if it's you're, not. And if he's acknowledging, and he said it right there, that a new stadium would make it, it sounds like, you know, I'm interpreting, if I'm interpreting this the right way, a new stadium and all these other things that come with it, would help them spend more money on players, and you yourself have said that as well, then why are you not exhausting every effort to get this done long ago, and why is it right. coming to this point? Great and point. the reason, and I guess the theory I'm having on this is he's a businessman, and he's running this like a business, right. and what do businessmen do? They look for the best ways to get the best out of their product by spending the least amount of money. Well, That's some smart businessmen. And, and smart- here's the thing. And also, and he might feel justified in that because he can point to, well, since I took over this baseball team, all we've done is win. And we've hung, our, we've hung with the big boys. We had two World Series appearances. All we've continued to do is win. So why do I – it's almost become the moniker of the team at this point. Hey, yeah. we're the team that finds all these, jewel, these, these jewels that are, you can't find and, and all these things, and we turn them into great players, and we have this great system. That's become their thing. Yeah. And I think they've just kind of taken that on. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I think I'll always keep saying that if the Rays truly want to be a World Series contending team, you need to spend just a little bit of more money and augment what you have in the great system that you've created. And I just, 
I don't know if he wants to do that. Well, he doesn't want to do it because he has the money to do it, and he hasn't done it. That's, a, that's all you need to know. He has the money to do it. That's a fact, and he hasn't done it. So what makes us think the more money he makes that he's going to do it? He's just going to sit there and say, why do I need to spend $200 million? I'm winning I'm winning the division championships and going to the playoffs spending $70, 80000000 million. Because maybe you'll win a World Series. Ah, who cares about that? All we want to do is play meaningful games in September, right? Right? They're not gonna. They know that they're not gonna well, know this, but it's much tougher to win a World Series if, if, when you're spending this much money. That's a fact. The numbers show it. Um, you haven't had a, a lower payroll team uh, since the early aughts that has won uh, someone in the lower fifth, that lower half that has won a World Series. So we all know this. Listen, it's just it's the same old crap here. It's a money grab for the stadium. He doesn't care about spending money on the team. And yes, they've won the regular season. And if you're happy with that, raise fans, fine. But to me, you know, I don't want to treat this as a business. I want it to, I want them to treat it as a sport. And yeah. I want owners that treat it as a sport that don't treat it like they're Wall Street, right. a bank account. And, and, and that's they're just why here to make at, money. And that's the it, way he's always treated it. Full stop. Yeah, and that's why, like, when you look at, like, the Mets and Steve Cohen, and again, he's yes. the richest owner in baseball, and so the situation's a little bit different. But everybody clowns him for spending a lot of money on players and everything. That's not bad for baseball. No. no. I mean, if you're a Mets fan, maybe you yes. can say that sometimes they spend it a little bit foolishly, and you're still right. waiting on the return on that investment. Right. But he clearly is going to do everything he can to try to put a winning team out there. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you want from your owner. 100%. All right, let's take another break. We'll come back on the other side. I believe uh, Ken Hagen's going to stop by and say hello to us. Um, and hopefully you're not going to plug that speaker in right here. <laughs> We're, so we'll do that. We'll take a quick break. Uh, Ken Hagen will stop by and say hello, and uh, we'll find out what he knows uh, about maybe some upcoming Raven James Stadium improvements, if they're still in the baseball business, what have you. We're brought to you by the great folks at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Go to the website. Get an appointment right now and get personalized medicine that you deserve. That's BAMMC.com. Back in three from the Sports Club of Tampa Bay annual golf tournament here at Carrollwood Country Club. Stay with us. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again, once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done, and guess what? 
She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. They will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community have been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Start the new year with a new diamond from the Gold and Diamond Source. It's still engagement season. Where better to get that special ring than the Gold and Diamond Source? Of course, I just got mine there. I'm engaged. You should do the same thing. Let's go. Gold and Diamond Source has the largest selection of engagement rings in the country. A literal jewelry superstore with 30 times the inventory of any normal jeweler. And if you have a loved one or a special person in your life who has a birthday this month, maybe you have an anniversary coming up, you can get 50% off the January birthstone, which is Garnet. As in Garnet and Gold for all your Seminoles, celebrate that mythical national championship. And it's the Golden Diamond Source's 40th anniversary for the past 40 years. They have taken pride in offering only natural diamonds formed over billions of years from the Earth's incredible forces. And gold prices are at an all-time high. Now's your chance to turn your jewelry box into a cash machine. It's the perfect time to trade in your broken or unworn pieces for something new and stunning. It's the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on Fan Stream Sports. This is The Strike. 1025 WHPT, HD2, Sarasota, Tampa, St. Pete. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here as we're coming to you live from Carrollwood Country Club. Beautiful day out here. It's about uh, low 70s, maybe high 60s. Beautiful sunshine, and uh, sitting down with me now is County Commissioner, head of the County Commission. Are you still head of the County Commission, Ken? Yes, Hayden? sir. Yes, sir. I know it bounces around from us. If I can get your handsome face on there, there we go, right there. How you doing? We're doing well. It's a great day. Got here out here to support a good cause and hit him around a little bit. And then I show up and ask you stupid questions <laughs> and ruin your day. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, all are, good. Are you, so are you watching? I'm sure you are. What's going on in St. Petersburg? They now delayed the vote. Shocking development, um, and I guess they're going to brief everybody in April with the final numbers, and then have a vote in May. What, what, from from an observation standpoint, what do you see going on over there? Candidly, I'm I'm watching from afar. You know, after spending so much time in in political capital over 13 years, you know, it's 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 tough to you know to, to keep following it. But uh, I did I did notice how they they kicked it back to to May, I believe. Um, not surprised. I mean, there's a lot of details in that. I think when the initial uh, plan was rolled out, it, it it seemed a lot better than it really was. Yeah. I think, uh, and I'm sure you've been following it closer yes. than I, but I think the final number is probably going to be upwards of $2 billion on, on the taxpayers, if I'm not mistaken. Once you I think include, it's $1.3 to the taxpayers, but probably more than that. But I think that's before infrastructure, I think, that that's going to be included in the project that might push it closer to that $2 billion number. So, wow. Um, it's a lot. We'll see. I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm very happy. I'm, I'm pleased that uh, they're going to remain in Tampa Bay. But at the end of the end of the day, um, I think all parties involved recognize that 
the team would be much more successful and sustainable in Tampa. Uh, the Rays' own studies indicate that. Yeah. So, um, but um, I am happy that they're going to remain here. That is the important thing. Is there any chance that Tampa gets back in the game? If this, um, I know there are team, there are a couple of groups that are looking at buying the team. Um, there's been reports that that that, that, that could be imminent. And the one, the, the people I've heard that are interested in buying the team do not want to build in St. Petersburg. Why would you want to if you're trying to maximize your 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 revenues? Which of course, if you buy the team, why wouldn't you want to do that? Any chance Tampa's still in ball game? Well, yes, but the reality is the ball's in in St. Pete and the Rays court. Uh, should a new ownership come about, and again, there are at least two organizations or two groups that have that have uh, not only kicked tires, but at least one of you know had a um, an offer on uh, Sternberg's table for, for probably about a year now. So if that would take place, and yeah, I think we're instantly back in the game, and or that St. Pete residents recognize. Uh, the boondoggle that's coming their way, <laughs> candidly. Yeah. And uh, should that happen, then uh, then we're back in the game. But we're, we're certainly not doing anything proactive at this point. We're letting the you know the process play out. And should one of those take place, and we'd be more than happy to, to re-engage. Um, you said boondoggle. I've used that word myself. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I see this this the way this is going about, and Brian all putting pressure on uh, the county commission, saying if the deal is not ratified in May, it fundamentally changes the whole deal. Um, it just, it, the way they're going about it just seems a little, as my daughter would say, sus. <laughs> it's a little sus. Well, when you think about how long it has taken for the race to get to this point, even though it is in St. Pete, again, I go back to the Atlanta model that I know you've referenced yeah. many times yeah. on, on your show. I spent an afternoon with their CEO several years ago, and he laid out exactly what transpired. They brokered they brokered their deal in three months, and in two and a half years later, they were playing ball in uh, in Cobb County uh, up there. So it doesn't have to take 13, 14, 15 years. It can be done much quicker when you have uh, a willing partner that's uh, willing to, to you know, come on board and, and take the lead and not rely on the private sector and the and the, and the governmental entities to, uh, to lead the charge. And this will be my last question because I know you want to go play golf. Um, there's always been this perception, and I think it's been out there in the media, I think it's a wrong perception, that Hillsborough didn't have the money or they never they never had a plan. What, what would you say to that? Factually incorrect uh, on two different fronts. If you recall back in 19, we presented a financial framework to uh, Mr. Sternberg and to Commissioner Manfred of a 50-50 split. That time it was $900 million and it was 450 by the by the, the public side, 450 by uh, the Rays and, and the Rays at that time were not willing to pay $450 million or willing to pay half. They took their ball and went home. Uh, so that was the first offer that if that would have uh, come about, they would have moved forward. You know, again, we'd be playing ball in, uh, in Ybor City this, uh, this spring. Uh, secondly, Last uh, last year, we uh, proposed, a, again, another framework that showed uh, more money coming to the Rays, but over time. It was yeah. less upfront money, yeah. candidly. We do not have the uh, existing capacity in our bed tax that Pinellas uh, County does, admittedly. However, based on our model and based on the growth that would undoubtedly occur in Ybor City, we were showing them uh, probably double what uh, they would uh, they'll receive wow. in, in Pinellas. But wow. again, that would be over time once yeah. the growth occurred. But it would be incumbent on the team to take the risk and to put more upfront money. Again, they were unwilling to do that, knowing 
in the long term, they would make significantly more revenue being in being in Tampa. Well, Ken, it's a beautiful day. I won't keep you any longer. What a great senior, great catching yeah. up. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a good day for golf. Let's hope so. <laughs> don't let your group cheat. We don't want to see any of those ones on the par fives. All right, none of that, none of that shenanigans. That never goes on in these tournaments. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I think that's it's always good to hear it from Ken, somebody who's been involved in these negotiations. That, and it's just you know that's it's factually incorrect when people say Hillsborough never had the money. That's not true. It was just a responsible deal to the taxpayers, a fair deal to the baseball team, uh, a public-private partnership, the way these things should be done. And that's not the way it's being done in St. Petersburg. It's a boondoggle. And um, the, what's up, Brian? The, um, the people of St. Pete need to sound off. And I think Stu Sternberg's exactly right. You people in St. Petersburg and Pinellas County need to tell the uh, commission that you don't want to spend this much money on a, on a baseball stadium. It's not a great expenditure, especially given the uh, priorities that um, the mayor has been given by his constituents. And I've never seen building a baseball stadium as one of them. Affordable housing, uh, equity, all these other things that he was elected on. Um, a baseball stadium was not one of them. And I, I would be very interested to see where the people of Pinellas and St. Petersburg are. Perhaps the Times should do a poll and see how if they and, and it's hard, I know, because we still don't know what the final numbers are. You know, the public still doesn't know what the final numbers are, and they're going to give those final numbers in April and say, Bet, you got you to vote on it right now. you got to vote on it right now or it's going to go away. That's no way to do business. It's no way to do public business whatsoever. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I mean, I in the end, I, I, the number one thing, Nick, like you always say, is we want the team to stay in Tampa Bay. And if, if the only way for them to do that is for the city of St. Pete to get boondoggled, so be it. So be it. It's better to have a stadium there than no stadium at all. So I'm with you on that front. I'm with you on that front. Yeah, and, and listening to Kid there, it almost seems like, at least if how I'm interpreting it, is he's like, listen, I've been doing this for 15 years. I'm worn out on this whole yeah. thing. We yeah. collectively are worn out. We've given everything we can, and it's like nothing's good enough. So, yeah. you know, I feel, like every, I feel like all parties, to be honest, feel that way. And maybe it's different in St. Pete with Ken Welch because he's newer to the game. And maybe he's got he's more willing to play the long game since he's uh, he's newer to the whole process. But I think from the Tampa side, they're they're basically like I don't we don't know what else to to offer at this point. Yeah, and you know we've always I think we've given the best um, and truest analysis of what's gone on on this deal. And the bottom line is, Stu Sternberg has never bargained in good faith. Um, he's not like he's like exactly like Ken said. The Braves wanted to get a deal done in Cobb County, and Cobb County wanted to get a deal done. And when you have a willing partner. And when you go back and look at that deal, it was very, very much a 50-50 deal. In fact, the Braves paid paid the overtures, uh, so it's probably more 55-45. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Atlantic Journal-Constitution came out and said what, what a boondoggle it was going to be, and it's turned out to be incredibly successful for Cobb County. And I know you can read some studies that say it's not, but when you when you factor in all the businesses that have come um, to and the office buildings that have been built, which are never figured in the, quote, economic impact, the direct economic impact, you figure in the, the in totality, everything that's happened in Cobb County, it's an incredible home run. Um, and they've built up a, with the battery there, huge monies for Cobb County schools. So uh, it can be done. It can be done simply. It can be done the right way, but you have to have two willing partners and Stu's, you know, Stu's for, uh, from the get go, his entire deal was, I, I don't want to pay a penny. 
and I want to get, you know, naming rights and everything else to pay for me and make as much money as I could possibly make. And he's, he's made over a billion dollars in the value of the franchise, probably more when he goes to sell it. His initial investment, I think, was like 50 million, um, his own initial. And now the team's he basically owns 90 percent of it. And it's worth probably close to two billion. I mean, how much is enough? How much is enough? And it's net. And, and no, everyone can agree that um, it, for the majority. And I think the polls that we have seen, the unscientific polls, have been 75, 80% of the fan base wants the stadium in Tampa. And and, and you're going to build it in a failed location for, you know, $2 billion, public money. It's just, it's a stupid idea. Uh, it's a, it's a failed idea. And I hope that the Pinellas County uh, folks and the city commission and the mayor finally come to their senses. And I think the fans and the people, the constituents should let them know, just like Brian all said, yeah, let them know. And they'll find out that they don't want it. Of course, they only want you to let them know if you're in favor of the state. If you're not in favor of them, they don't want any, you know, they don't want, they want you to shut the hell up. Um, but if you're in favor of it, make sure you tell them. So if you're not in favor of it, I think you should tell them too, because that's your tax money. That's your tax money. Even if it's tourist tax money, that's still yours, right? Because that's money that could be used for other things that could benefit the county, other things that would be more beneficial. So, Titus, you want to come sit down for a second or you got to go? You good? All right. Let me get two seconds here with the great Titus O'Neill because we have to say uh, congratulations, my friend, on uh, you going into the Tampa Sports Club Hall of Fame. There he is. Look at that handsome dude right there. By the way, congrats on your son. Oh, thank you, Ryan. I mean, he Very signed excited. at the wrong place. No, but no, no, he signed son. at the right place. <laughs> Definitely signed at the right place. No, of course he did. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yes, He's going to University of Florida following in your footsteps. How yes, cool sir. is that? Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's definitely – uh, something he's desired to do since he was probably in a womb um, and uh, to ha have the opportunity to do it and not, not only do it, uh, following my footsteps, but also being able to go in the same year as his best friend growing up, uh, who was one of my former teammates, his uncle, uh, Ernest Graham, also. Yeah. And so uh, Miles Graham is already there. Wow, that's classes, awesome. So that's there. awesome. So it's like uh, having another brother on the team, you know. Yeah. Uh, Ernest, uh, we used to do his uh, radio show when he was playing for the Bucks. I have. Uh, I had such a great relationship with him at that time and yeah. could not find two, the two of you yeah. have, have brought up two amazing sons. Yes, I'm a little worried now. Oh. I mean, the Gators may be on their way back. I, well, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think our two sons are great additions. But yes, we, uh, indeed. I think, uh, I think they had a really, really good recruiting class this year and um, things seem to be going on the upturn. Uh, it doesn't help us. We just lost our strength coach in the, uh, in the spring. That's but, true. But uh, I'm sure that they'll find someone very viable to fill that position and uh, make sure our guys are bigger, faster, and stronger leading to the season. Well, I know we're up against because you got to go play golf here. you got to give me some wrestling talk here. Okay. I mean, what the hell's going on with The Rock yeah. and Cody? Yeah. Uh, what yeah, are your thoughts uh, on this? Yeah, the way this whole thing is un 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 uh, unfolding, it's very interesting <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so long people have built up the match to be between Roman Reigns and and uh, and the Rock family affair, things like that. Now it still is a family affair. Uh, Cody definitely is going to get a chance to finish his story. But, you know, every week is going to be something leading up to WrestleMania uh, that I think 
puts another twist and a turn on this crazy world that we we live in in WWE. And uh, looking forward to just seeing it all unfold myself. I love what The Rock said at, uh, at yeah. Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Titus, thanks, yeah, man. Thank appreciate you, you appreciate stopping you. by. Yes, yeah. sir. And congratulations. Thank I'll you. See you at the, at the Hall of Fame yes, inductions. Sir. Yes, sir. It's yeah. heck of a class. Heck of a class. The great Titus O'Neil. See, Nick, I got that wrestling question in for you, buddy. I know. I'm, I'm glad you, you you asked the right one, too. Everybody knows. I to did. Know did I ask the, the right question? Yeah, everybody wants to know about The Rock. So, All right, we got to hit a break. They're about to do some announcement here and uh, be really, really loud. So quick break. We'll come back on the other side and continue here at the Sports Club of Tampa Bay annual golf tournament here at Carrollwood Country Club. Back in three. Stay with us. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. He also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging, marketing, and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again. Once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done. And guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means 
If you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. They will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community have been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. Okay, let's get ready to get going here. Thank God we got a beautiful day compared to crap. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here on this beautiful Monday. Sweet Lou Maggio's doing the the announcements here. George and Leonard Levy, you golf classic. If you can hear thank you for everyone who showed up and yeah. for a great cause, for Here sure. And uh, like we always say, a bad day of golf is better than a good day of work, and you guys are proving that right now. So let me introduce Michael Woods. He'll give you the land and land here and uh, what we got to get done. And uh, it'll be a beautiful course, and we'll see you guys afterwards. Uh, no hand wedges, no foot wedges allowed today. Yeah, good luck with that, Lou. All right, so we won't we'll try All to speak right, over. Awesome. Thank, thank you, Lou. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've Nick, if you want to go to some sound uh, from uh, Dusty May or anybody you might have uh, there, you go right today. ahead. I'll mute my, so, um, my uh, mic First here. of all, uh, let's go ahead and... Uh... Yeah, what I will do, rather than play sound, if it, and since you're muted now, because I wanted to get to this news real quick about the uh, the Mike Evans thing, because there was some there was an interesting tidbit tidbit that was dropped here while we were on, this is from Jordan Schultz of uh, Bleacher Report, actually. And as we know, there was a deadline today, a soft deadline today, to get a deal done with Mike. Um, and it had to do with all the uh, the dead money. And I guess he says that both sides, Mike and the Bucks, remain far apart on contract negotiations. And I guess what that final number would be. So the Bucks are set to take on $7.4 million in 2024 dead money by not getting a deal done uh, today, which was expected, and he noted that talks will continue, but his understanding is that Evans is trending toward becoming a free agent, barring an unexpected change in discussions. Um, and I guess my feeling on this is that we've been saying, like, we think that at the end of the day, the Bucks are going to get this done, and Mike is going to want to stay in Tampa Bay. It still is one of the better places, I think, for him, especially with the familiarity and all the equity that he's built up in this franchise and they've built up in him. And knowing that their window is starting to maybe reopen just a little bit, that Mike Evans will eventually be uh, a Buccaneer, we would like to think, for life. But listen, this is also Mike's last chance at getting a payday, and he owes it probably to himself to go test that free agent market and see what else he can get out there. And to be, to be noted, he's also not the, he's not the top wide receiver on the free agency market. There are some younger receivers that if they hit free agency, they're going to supplant Mike Evans as that guy. And I'm talking about T. Higgins from Cincinnati, Michael Pittman, some other guys who are younger who are probably going to be more priority than Mike. Um, but all it takes is for one team that feels like they're close to the they're, – they're knocking on that door of being a Super Bowl contender, and they see Mike Evans, they see the consistency, the experience, the fact that he'll step right in and he'll probably understand a playbook right away, all those things, and they give him a good deal, and maybe it's more than the Bucks are willing to give – or and or can, can give, then maybe he won't be a Buccaneer anymore. And I think a lot of this is the Baker Mayfield situation that's going to affect this, is what is the final number for Baker Mayfield going to be? Because as much as you love Mike Evans and we want him to stay, I think at this point 
Baker Mayfield is the priority. He just has to be because he is the quarterback. And if by some reason the Bucs are not able to keep Baker Mayfield, well, now you have a wide open hole at quarterback and you're picking 26. And you're not likely to find that franchise guy there. Maybe you do, but it changes so many things. It changes things about your Super Bowl winning, potentially opening in the next year or two. And, and so that's where it's at. So I think they have to probably treat this a little bit delicately in that Baker has to be the priority when it comes to Mike um, and him. And, of course, Baker says he wants to come back if Mike's coming back. So the two situations go hand in hand. It's going to be fascinating. Um, so I, I don't think I would get too concerned yet because we expected this to happen. They were never going to get a deal done today. But we at least Mike is going to test the free agency market, and, and we'll see what the finals number the numbers are, and and how much how much would you be willing as a as a Bucks fan? And again, it's not your money, obviously, it's the Bucks. But how much would you be willing? What's that threshold of where you cut it off with Mike? Is it going to be thirty million? Can Mike demand and command thirty million on the open market? Because I'm telling you, if that's the number, he probably will not be a Buccaneer. But it's just a wait and see game. Uh, uh, there, I would believe. So, JP, I don't know if you uh, if they wrapped up the uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, they're coming uh, to for, an end here. The announcement, so that, yeah, I want to. It was really well, well, Meadow and well Pine. said. Those, those um, of you that that are starting on Meadow and know, Pine, uh, everybody uh, wants Mike go ahead and to out to your end his career as a Buccaneer. But there comes a number where it's just too much, and you have to say to yourself, you know, what are the options? You, you know, you know, there there are other receivers out there. There are other receivers in the draft that, that will be – will they be Mike Evans? Nope, they sure won't. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a once-in-a-generation player. Um, but he's going to be 31 years old. And, you know, do I want to – would I pay Mike Evans $20 million a year? Hell yeah. Would I pay him 25 28 for uh, guaranteed for four or five years? No, I would not. Yeah. Um, and that sucks. That and, sucks. And the thing That's is, the business is, of football. And if one of them doesn't come back, Baker or Mike, does that make – both of them not come back by default? You know, we don't even want to think about that, but we could be sitting here, you know, and, uh, and heading into the draft without a quarterback and without a number one. Well, you still got Chris Godwin, and he's a damn good receiver. Um, but he's not Mike Evans. You know, would no. Mike would Chris have more touchdowns if, if Mike wasn't there? Yeah, probably. Um, but, again, you know, Mike is not the only receiver in the game. There are some great receivers. I mean, when you go look at the list of receivers in the game, you know, the top 10, top 25 receivers, you know, there's a lot of top 10 lists that don't list Mike Evans. I'm not saying that's right, but there are a lot. Um, you know, and there's some great receivers that are coming out in this draft. Um, and so it's it sucks. The business of, of football and the NFL sucks sometimes. But if, if Mike is, is – is, his number one goal is to get paid, then, you know – And and you still have Tristan – Thank you for – yeah. And you still have yeah. Tristan and Antoine looming. All right, team. How are we What's doing out there? there? Those Just in general, Pine, I mean, if you're if you're looking now. to to um, you know, to maximize your salary cap, do you want to be paying you know your wide receivers in the forty-five million dollar combined range? It's not. There's a lot of good teams that don't do that. You know, you you got to find just like quarterbacks. You got to find younger receivers on on rookie deals, and you know, look at then look at historically, have there been any wide receivers age 31 and, and after that have been super productive to the tune, you know, worth $28 million. I'd probably say that's, that's, that's a very small list. It's a very small list. So um, yeah, unfortunately um, 
that's going to be tough, but we'll we'll see how it all works out. I know Mike wants to stay here. Maybe this is just posturing by his agent, but if it's all about the money, then he may may be a Houston Texan. You know, we'll see. And the Bucks will keep playing football. Also, and ladies, suck, ladies and gentlemen, that's those, those the way it is. You, I, I all right, let's take another break. Um, you Nick, you're going to bring it home for us here. I'm going to head back out there and uh, embarrass myself we'll playing golf. We've got some more All USF sound. We've got some more stuff I know you're going to bring to the folks. So, uh, great day here at, uh, at Carrollwood Country Club. We'll have more for you tomorrow. I'm going to do a little, a few uh, post interviews here. We'll get some of the other guys and we'll bring that to you tomorrow. So, um, quick break. Nick will bring it home for you. Thanks, guys. JP here for the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group and our good friend Jane Geddes. Folks, simply put, there is nobody like Jane. Jane is a former LPGA two-time major championship winner. She was also vice president of talent relations at WWE. She also has a law degree from Stetson. So if Jane can drain a 10-footer to win the U.S. Open and stare down Hulk Hogan in the boardroom, you want Jane on your real estate team to not only negotiate the best deal, but find you the perfect home or investment property. And when you work with the Geddes Gordon Group, you become part of the real estate family and get concierge services that include expertly staging, marketing, and preparing your home for sale. Advice on golf properties. Hey, you might even get some golf tips. Many of their clients become friends long after the sale or purchase is completed. It's all part of the deal. So if you're looking for that perfect home or investment property or trying to get top dollar for your home, go with Jane Geddes and the Geddes Gordon Group because there's nobody like Jane. Call 813-485-6808 or go to geddesgordon.kw.com. That's G-E-D-D-E-S gordon.kw.com or call 813-485-6808. All right, this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just Get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Is getting a home equity line a good idea right now with rates so high? Well, I put that question to my good friend Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services, and he says it all depends on where you're at financially. Many of us with ridiculous inflation have been charging up those credit cards, right? At 29% interest, hoping to catch up, but that ain't happening. Those interest payments are killing you. So yes, a consolidation loan and tapping into that crazy equity in your house is a great idea. That strategy can drop your monthly nut by thousands of dollars and stop wasting money on those interest payments. Fitz, the mortgage guy, has done thousands of loans for the past 25 years in Tampa Bay. Just did one for a former colleague who was a manager for a big bank mortgage division. He knows Scott is an independent broker and can get him a way better deal than at his own big bank. AMS Tampa has way lower overhead and gives you the savings. So if you're worried about fees and closing costs, have the free consultation with Scott and look at the actual numbers. It may shock you what he can do. 
Be smart. Stay one step ahead. Email Fitz at Scott at AMSTampa.com, Scott at AMSTampa, or call 813-294-7595. Scott Fitzgerald, MLS 386-722. American Mortgage Services, 1000 North Ashley Drive, Suite 1020, Tampa Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on FanStream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show. Here on a Monday, JP is off now for the rest of the show. He's going to go play some golf out there at the Carrollwood Country Club. Uh, looks like a beautiful day outside after just a miserable, miserable weekend of rain. Couldn't do anything all weekend. And even I'm wearing the uh, the Dale Earnhardt hat today, the Intimidator, as you can see on the stream. And didn't even get the Daytona 500 in. Didn't get the Xfinity race in. Got nothing. And so hopefully that goes on today at 4 o'clock. But, yeah, the rain has just been not kind to the state of Florida uh, this weekend, but good to see that things are trending up. Uh, if you missed it there at the end, we talked a little bit about the Mike Evans, uh, the report coming from Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report that the Bucks and Mike are still far apart on a deal, and that's not going to get done today. So $7.4 million in dead cap is going to hit the Bucks uh, this season, which was to be expected. And now we all are going to kind of wait, and we still got uh, a couple weeks, three weeks probably here until free agency begins, and then we'll really get the ball rolling. So um, I said my piece kind of there, so I'll go to the comments now. And uh, Nathan Elliott brings up a good point here that I kind of mentioned. If Mike Evans leaves, Baker leaves, then the rebuild uh, will begin. Yeah, the the way the Bucks are constructed right now, and I said this last week, I, I went on the, the Pewter Report podcast, and we were kind of talking about when can the Buccaneers' Super Bowl window sort of open and how close are they to being a, a caliber team, a contender, in the NFC, and we looked at the NFC, and you th- you think Detroit is probably best positioned for years to come because of the youth that they have, and uh, they probably could still add to that as well. They got some holes that they need to fill up, mostly on defense. But Detroit's probably that team. San Francisco still has a lot of talent, albeit they're aging a little bit, so their window might be shrinking. And then the everybody else in the NFC, whether it's Philly, Dallas, you don't really trust those teams at this moment. Uh, Green Bay is also very young. I think they're kind of similar to the Bucks in trajectory at the moment. But that all changes if you lose Mike Evans and or you lose Baker Mayfield. Now, is, is Baker Mayfield an upper echelon quarterback in the NFL? No, he's not. I don't think anybody's going to tell you that. Did he play the position pretty well this year? He did. Um, can we count on that? Is the Baker we saw this year going to be the Baker we see moving forward if they give him a deal? I think that's the big question because history tells you Baker hasn't been able to, to, to been, been consistent year in and year out, but he's also had a lot of moving parts, whether it be offensive coordinator changes, personnel changes, head coach changes, injury, all those things. So it's an interesting spot that the Bucks are in here when it comes to negotiating a contract for Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans. But if you lose Mike Evans, I mean, your team's just worse next year. There's really no other way around it, and it changes things how you think about this team next year. But if you lose both of them, yeah, the the rebuild, you might have to start thinking about it just a little bit. There's still a lot of talent on this team, but listen, you're going to be having to replace a, a quarterback, and that's the most important position. You're picking 26. You're probably not going to get one of those guys that you want. And outside of Baker and Kirk Cousins, there's really nothing to write home about on the free agency market. Uh, it's Russell Wilson, to me, is not the answer or anybody like that. So it changes things there. And then if you lose Mike, you're losing the number one wide receiver. And people might think, well, you still have Chris. Well, yeah, you do have Chris, and Chris is a good receiver, but Chris Godwin, even though he's 27 years old still, I think he's an older 27. Uh, he's taken, He's been banged up a lot, and he's had major injuries. 
They're going to put him back in the slot. Again, he was taken out of the slot for a reason, and that was for injury concerns. And so it's going to be interesting to see how his body holds up this year. And he's also in the last year of his deal. Uh, the draft class is loaded with really good receiver talent. I think it would be in the Bucks' best interest, even if they bring back Mike. I still would try to invest in that position within the top three rounds. I know they might have some other needs, but again, the league is skewing offense, and I think the Bucks could use some more weapons. So that's going to be interesting there. Um, uh, another comment here from, from Nathan Elliott. Baker looked great because of Mike. Let's be real. The list of receivers that Mike Evans made look great, or quarterbacks rather, includes Mike Glennon, Josh McCown, Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tom Brady, Baker, uh, and Baker, now Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's the true value of Mike right there. For everybody that said that he was, his 1,000-yard streak was going to end and he wasn't going to be as effective this year with Baker Mayfield, I mean, listen, he had a better year with Baker Mayfield than in any season he had with Mike, or with uh, Tom Brady, rather, if you think about it. From a statistical standpoint, this was the best year he's had since 2018, and he got the second-team All-Pro honor, something that he's only done, I think, one, one other time in his career. So Mike, even at 30, I think is a very spry 30. I actually think at times he looks like he's even younger than Chris is and more healthy than him. He, he seems like he's getting faster. He's definitely a more polished route runner now than he was when he came into the league. So there is a lot to like about Mike. But again, there is probably a magic number that you are not going to go past. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. The, the cap room that they have right now, they're going to eat into that just by trying to get these four guys locked down and Mike Baker, Antoine, who probably is going to get the tag, and uh, Tristan Wirf. So, yeah, there's a lot of things here. Uh, James said, Bucks can't lose Evans, and Jason like has to know that. Fans are not prepared for a Trask and a draft quarterback without Mike Evans. That will not fly. Um, yeah, it won't, and it'll be tough when you look at the trajectory they're on and, and how they ended the season. You think they're in an upward trend right now, but again, losing these players would change so much about that. So, again, I wouldn't get too concerned yet. Uh, let's see what happens. Let's let it play out. Mike, at this point in his career, this is the last big payday that he's going to get, and he owes it to himself to go look around. And I know Houston is the team that gets talked about a lot. They're certainly on the upward swing. It's his hometown. C.J. Stroud already has Nico Collins and Tank Dell and some good receivers, but Mike Evans would be a big one there. So I, I will say this. For anybody that thinks Carolina is getting Mike Evans, I think you're insane. Mike Evans is smarter than this. He wants to win. He's been on some bad teams before. He's gotten a taste of how winning and what it looks like, winning a Super Bowl. You think he wants to go spend the last years of his prime in Carolina? You really think that, that he wants to do that? I know people are going to make the Dave Canales connection, but I just don't see that. I do not see Mike Evans ending up in Carolina. One bit. I would not believe any truth to those rumors uh, whatsoever. So there's the latest on Mike. We'll see what happens. All right. I wanted to get into this a little bit, and it's what we saw on TV last night. And I don't know how many people ended up watching this thing because it's a tough watch sometimes, and that's the NBA All-Star Game. And there was nothing on TV last night, and I was like, you know, screw it. I'll sit down. I'll invest a little time. They had like a two-and-a-half-hour pregame show. The NBA does a great job of hyping their product up, and it got me invested. And I listened to Adam Silver speak over the week on the Pat McAfee show. I listened to him during the offseason, and one of the big priorities he said was, we want to make the All-Star game more competitive. And he understood, and the league understood, that what occurred in 2023 was not the product they wanted to put out there when they have all the stars of the league together on the same court. So I was thinking, okay, Maybe it'll be a little bit different this year. And what we got 
was the first time we've ever seen a team score 200 points. 200 points in an All-Star game yesterday. Um, I kind of like the when they did the target score uh, type deal. I don't know why that went away, and they just decided to go completely play four quarters of basketball, 12 minutes, and you ended up having a essentially a three-point barrage in that All-Star game last night. I'm trying to get the actual number because it was almost hard to even fathom that there were this many three-point shots that were taken from both teams. Yeah, the, the West shot 71 three-pointers, and the East shot 90 seven three-pointers. I mean, we were almost pushing 200 three-pointers combined shot from both of these teams, and that's what the All-Star game has kind of become. Uh, there was hardly any defense played. We, are, we have multiple players who outright just do not care about the game whatsoever. Um, I think Nikola Jokic, I love Nikola Jokic, but listen, he would probably rather be doing anything than attending that All-Star game. The same goes for Luka Doncic and some other players. And I think at this point, after seeing what happened, I think everybody's going to say that something needs to change. I almost feel like the game needs to go away. Um, you know, the NFL took away the Pro Bowl game. I mean, if you listen to me a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the Pro Bowl games, I don't really enjoy that either, to be honest with you. But the NBA, to continue to let this happen year in and year out, and especially in that city. I mean, they were in Indianapolis. And talk about you want about the meccas of basketball and, and all that kind of stuff. Basketball is Indianapolis, and Indianapolis is basketball. And to have that product be out there yesterday for everybody to see, I thought it was a little bit embarrassing. I really did. And some of the players say we got to find a way to make it more competitive, and nobody's asking them to go out there and play this like this is a playoff game necessarily. But let's show a little bit, you know. There's been some all-star games in the past, even as recent as 2020. I recall that that was a very close game, and they were getting close to that target score thing. I think they had to hit like 160. And all of a sudden, you saw both teams, the last like five-ish, ten minutes of the game, they started to actually play some real defense. And it was really tough for some of those guys to score when you had all the great guys out there kind of trying a little bit. So we've seen that in the past, but it's just completely gone away. And and the whole thing, the All-Star weekend in general, you could always hang your hat on that All-Star Saturday night at least was going to be entertaining and it was going to be fun. This All-Star Saturday night was just dull. It was completely dull. I mean, they held it inside Lucas Oil Stadium, a football stadium, and I think they had it like cut off like at, at, a, at a half capacity or something like that with the curtain and all that. It seemed like there was no buzz in that building whatsoever. Just zero buzz. The dunk contest is completely just a shell of itself. Um, and even had Jalen Brown compete, and he's like the first like kind of star of the NBA, sort of say, that has competed in this thing in a long time. And the dunks that we saw from him, I mean, he was getting like 49s and 50s for some dunks that really just were not all that impressive. The scoring was a bit interesting from some of the panelists there. Um, but yeah, the, the dunk contest, having Mac McClung, you know, kind of run away with that. Is that great for the dunk contest? Probably not. And there just seemed to be no buzz around it. I mean, when you're getting booed, you know how hard it is? to get booed by fans in a dunk contest. I mean, that was happening. The most entertaining thing of that entire of that entire Saturday night was the Sabrina versus Steph three-point shootout. That was great. We you know we love to see that. And Sabrina Ionescu shooting from the NBA line, scores 26. Steph obviously outlasts her and gets 29. That was a great showcase, I think, for the WNBA and that product and to get more eyes on her. 
And uh, I think they'll probably replicate that next year, probably with uh, if Caitlin Clark comes to the WNBA, I think you could probably just go ahead and, and write that down. Steph versus Caitlin next year. And that'll be fun. I think that's kind of the new it event going forward on that Saturday night because the dunk contest is, is essentially dead. We can just call it that. Um, three point was okay, but the game, again, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Um, most of these all-star games do outside of Major League Baseball because, I mean, it's hard not to try when you're playing baseball, obviously. So I know that one changes. But again, it's just the players, it feels like they, got, they have to be incentivized to do anything, it seems at this point. I mean, Adam Silver had to put in a rule this year making it to where players, if they wanted to be qualified to win awards such as the MVP, they had to play at least 65 games. I mean, doesn't anybody think that that's a, a bit of an alarm going off right there? If we're having to straight up incentivize players to win awards, we need you to play a certain amount of games. And then you were still getting pushback from some of these players that have spoken out about this, right? And everybody's losing their mind because Joel Embiid is having an MVP season. It looks like he would have been the slam dunk winner. And now he's probably not going to be able to suit up in 65 games and he's not going to win that award. I mean... And again, he's having more serious injuries, obviously, so I'm not advocating him to play through that by any means. But it's just interesting that they're having to incentivize guys to almost play regular season games. And I, I just, I'm, I can't for the life of me figure out where we got to this point. I mean, is it ring culture? I mean, we've, we've talked about how winning a ring is the only thing that matters now in professional sports and especially in the NBA. And it seems like guys now are just not taking the regular season serious. A lot of them are, are not. Um, so I don't know. The NBA, to me, has to fix this, and I, I think at this point the solution is, is probably just doing away with the game because it just doesn't seem like anybody's uh, interested whatsoever in uh, taking part in that. So there's my little rant on the NBA. I know a lot of people probably just they take it for what it is. It's a showcase of the best players. They rack up the points, three-point shots. I mean, Dame's hitting like 50-footers. That was kind of cool to see at some point. But, yeah, not a, especially a, uh, a great look for the NBA there. So, all right, let's take a, we got to take one more break here. So let's get that in and we'll come back and we'll wrap up, uh, get into a little bit of the lightning who had a, not the best showing this weekend. I feel bad for anybody who was at Amelie Arena on Saturday night. That was not great. So I'll dive into that and a little bit of a look ahead of what they're doing. Again, this is the J.P. Peterson Show brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance, Golden Diamond Source, the Geddes Gordon Real Estate Group, American Mortgage Services, and Synovus Bank. Back in three. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again. Once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rates, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done, and guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks, that's real, real money, and that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up, 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane, and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them 
uh, to help you out in both those regards. They will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community have been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. Start the new year with a new diamond from the Gold and Diamond Source. It's still engagement season. Where better to get that special ring than the Gold and Diamond Source? Of course, I just got mine there. I'm engaged. You should do the same thing. Let's go. Gold and Diamond Source has the largest selection of engagement rings in the country. A literal jewelry superstore with 30 times the inventory of any normal jeweler. And if you have a loved one or a special person in your life who has a birthday this month, maybe you have an anniversary coming up, you can get 15% off the January birthstone, which is garnet. As in garnet and gold for all your Seminoles, celebrate that mythical national championship. And it's the Golden Diamond Source's 40th anniversary for the past 40 years. They have taken pride in offering only natural diamonds formed over billions of years from the Earth's incredible forces. And gold prices are at an all-time high. Now's your chance to turn your jewelry box into a cash machine. It's the perfect time to trade in your broken or unworn pieces for something new and stunning. It's the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S. Call for a free case evaluation, 888-9-Jeeves. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. We're local, we're trusted. The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show on Fans Dream Sports. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show here on a Monday. We just got a few minutes left here, so we'll wrap up here uh, and take it home. The Lightning on Saturday night, probably one of the worst games I think I've ever watched on TV, and somehow I made it through the whole entire thing. I don't know what compelled me to sit in front of my television and watch the entirety of that game. The Lightning lose 9-2 at home uh, to Florida. Man, I mean, sometimes it's just not your night. And that can happen in any sport, and it happens in the NHL. I mean, you sometimes get these lopsided scores maybe like once or twice a year. Wasn't exactly thinking 9-2. to two. Uh, That's a little bit more lopsided than obviously you would want in some of these games. And it, it just got out of hand quickly. I mean, the Lightning scored uh, within 30 seconds, Brandon Hagel. Um, but then four goals in that first period for Florida. It just felt like they just could not miss in that one. And, and listen, Florida's a really good team. For my money, they're probably the team to beat in the Eastern Conference right now at this point. And they showed that. And they've won now 11 games in a row on the road. And that's what makes them scary because when you go to the playoffs, you've got to be able to win on the road. There's just no way around it. And if there's one thing we know about this Lightning team, trying to compare the situation, the Lightning have not exactly fared well on the road this season and and certainly not last season as well. So um, 
not a great game. It's just one of those where you burn the tape, and hopefully the Lightning can get back at it. They get, they're back at it tonight, actually, here at Amelie against a, an Ottawa team, which is uh, not very good by any means. So hopefully Lightning can turn that around and bounce back, and I think they will. Uh, another hockey note, another uh, sporting event that I got to sit down and watch yesterday was the Stadium Series game, and, and a lot of people think these stadium games have kind of overstayed their welcome. I did not see that this weekend. They did a double dip there in MetLife. They did the Flyers and the Devils on Saturday night, and then yesterday at around 4 o'clock, I want to say it was what it was when it started, they did the Rangers and Islanders in MetLife, and the Islanders took a 4-1 to lead in that one. The Rangers came all the way back, scored three goals in a span of like three minutes, including the overtime game winner from Artemi Panarin to win that game 6-5. to For my money, that was the best stadium series game I think that I have ever seen. I've watched most of them. I went to the one between the Lightning and the Predators up in Nashville. But that stadium game had everything you wanted. It had a hot crowd, obviously 80,000 people in MetLife Stadium. Big, big, big weekend for the league. I think they had a combined attendance of over 150,000 across those two games at MetLife. So that was great to see. But just a great hockey game. Uh, If you're a fan of the sport, that was a great one uh, to be able to sit down and watch. So a good showcase for the league right there. All right, that'll do it for us here on a Monday. Good to get uh, around a a lot of topics here. If you missed the the earlier part of the show, we got into USF and that great big win yesterday over FAU inside the Yingling Center. Uh, We talked about Mike Evans. Gary Koch was on. Titus O'Neill. Ken Hagen did some stadium talk. JP went on his Stu Sternberg rant, which you know you always are going to get more often than not. Uh, So, JP will be back on tomorrow, and I will see the rest of you on Thursday. So, have a good day. And uh, have a great week as well.